0: so good to see all once more time. Seems like time kind of just quickly goes by, doesn't it? I was telling Shelby, well, she knows this, that last month we had our uh, fifth granddaughter. Uh, she was a month old this past Wednesday. That's, uh, her mother is my youngest daughter. We had three daughters. Now we have five granddaughters. No boys yet. But uh, we'll see. But uh, those girls are just beautiful. Uh, It's it's amazing to see them grow up. and It's amazing to see God's people, after all these years, you're still hungry for the gospel. And you never get over it. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. I pray the Lord's given us something this morning, and I pray that he would be pleased to open his word and speak to our hearts and make himself known. You're singing the song about when I see him. (laughs) We used to sing a song, what a day that will be, when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. Days not a one of us in this building has ever seen him with human eyes. But to those that believe, you have saw him. And he's precious. He's the pearl of great price. If you would open your Bible to the book of Hebrews, chapter twelve. we have before us is God's Word. No question, no argument here, it's His Word. And if God is going to speak to you, He will speak to you through His Word. God has ordained it that way, He has established it, and I'm thankful that it is preserved in an English language You know, you just imagine if it was in Spanish or French or Latin or some, you know, we would say, I mean, if somebody else can read it and tell me what it says, but I can't read it myself. And I'm thankful that you, you know, you can get it almost anywhere now. If If you can't read it, you can download it and get somebody to read it for you. But, you know, we're blessed. We're really blessed. I said that because it says here in Hebrews 12, verse 25, see that ye refuse not him that speaketh. You could read, see that you don't refuse him that speaketh, but that's not what it says. It says that you don't refuse him that speaketh. I pray this morning that God would speak to you. And if he ever speaks to you, you will never be the same. Never. <clears throat> For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth spake on earth much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven whose voice then shook the earth his voice But now he has promised saying yet once more I shake not the earth only but also heaven and this word yet once more signifying the removal of those things that are shaken there's some things he's going to remove them They'll be removed. They'll be put away. As of the things that are made. That those things which cannot be shaken. May remain. Wherefore because of this we receiving a kingdom. Which cannot be moved. Which cannot be shaken. Because it's built upon the foundation of Christ. Let us have grace. For we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Things that are shaken and things that remain. Turn back to chapter 1 of Hebrews. <clears throat> Don't refuse him that speaketh. It's kind of ironic that's how he began along those lines here in in the first chapter of Hebrews. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers, he spoke to them by the prophets. He hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the world. Who being the brightness, now what's this verse, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things, how's he upholding all things? By the word of his power. All things, not just some things, all things. You can carry that as far as you want to take it. This earth out, out here just spins on its axis. Why? Why does, it, why does it not move just a little ways from the sun and we'd freeze to death? Why does it, it just move a little closer and we'd all be burned up? Why? Because he has ordained all things, all things, all things, of whom he hath appointed and by whom also he made the worlds. All things were created by him. And for him. And by him they exist. Who was it that that said in the beginning God that said let there be light. Who was that? That's the son of God. He said let there be light. And there was what? There's light. He spoke it into existence and it is. God speaks life to a dead sinner and they live. That which was without form and void is not now without form and void. It is in order. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Who is this that speaks? It's the one who's sitting on the throne. Where the king's word is, there's is a There's authority. This book has authority. It's it's, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Now turn to chapter 3. Beginning in verse 7. This book was written to encourage the children of God. What I understand, they were being afflicted and tormented by those Lawmongers who were trying to get them to turn back to the law. And God inspired this book to show them that he is superior to all those. He's superior to the high priest. He's superior in the sacrifices. He's superior to the angels. He is superior. So here he says in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 7, Wherefore, <clears throat> As the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you hear his voice, today, not tomorrow, today. Today is the day of salvation. You you don't, we're not, none of us promised tomorrow. The Lord could wrap all this up even before I'm done. Today, if you hear his voice, do what? Harden not your hearts now who's he speaking to he's speaking to believers he's speaking to children of God so is he saying that we can get a hard heart well sure we can very quick as you was praying and I just I just I'll just be honest sitting there trying to Hear someone read the scriptures or try sitting there listening to a song, and my mind was somewhere else. And I go, Why in the world was I doing that? You all deal with that. We all, it's called the old man. But today, if we hear his heart, harden not your heart, <clears throat> excuse me, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your father's tempted, he proved me. and saw me, saw my works 40 years. God said, go into Canaan. And they wouldn't believe God. You know what hardens hearts more than anything else? Unbelief. Unbelief. What's unbelief? You just don't believe God. That's just that simple. We just, we just don't believe God. I was grieved for that generation and said... They do always err in my heart, and they have not known my way. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you or in any of us an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Don't refuse him that speaketh. But here's what we should do. Exhort one another daily. Today, if you hear his voice and exhort one another daily, we need to be exhorted with each other daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened, how are we hardened to the deceitfulness of sin? Let's go back to Hebrews 12. Begin reading in verse 1. I didn't know hardly where to begin reading with this chapter. But with the thought in mind, don't refuse him that speaketh. And we know that it's Christ sitting up on his throne. Those people in the Old Testament, they heard. They heard God speak through Moses. God said, go into Canaan and take it. They said, oh, there's giants in the land. Yeah, that's true. It's a fruitful land. Yeah, that was true too. But we just can't take it. And if they had went in that day, they could have taken Canaan. And you know what God did? God shut the door. They didn't go in tomorrow. They could have went in today. And for 40 years, 40 years, they walked in the wilderness. Till that whole generation died off. Why? They wouldn't believe God. wouldn't believe him. Joshua and Caleb did. The only ones, 20 years old and upward, that got to go in. Now verse 1 of chapter 12. He's just been talking about all those in chapter 11 who believed and walked by faith. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Wherefore, seeing we also were compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with with patience the race that is set before us. The brother mentioned that race. Run the race. You may not run as fast as someone else. and You may seem to run a little faster than others. But we're not running looking to each other. How do we run the race? He tells us, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. And nothing else matters. You may be like Jacob, have to limp along the way. That's his race. That was his race. His life. Your life is that race. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. When the enemy comes and says, you don't really believe God, do you? And you begin to look at yourself. First thing we do, we're trying to look inside. Look inside for some strength. The Holy Spirit says, consider Him. Just take a second to consider Him. Who He is. What He did. He endured the cross. I'm so thankful He did. He endured it. Despising the shame. He endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself. Lest you be weary... In fact, in your minds, you've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. You've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My sons, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Why does God chasten his children? Well, we read here because he loves them. And he intends to teach us something. God speaks through his word and God speaks through providence. We ask, when, why did this come? Why, why am I, why am I this way? He teaches us. He speaks to us. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, Endure it. He endured it. If you endure chastening, and the only way you endure is by God's grace. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, for of all our partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. And he gives an example. Furthermore, we had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Remember my father, if I got that line, you better believe he was going to correct me. He, you, he was going to get chastening and he was going to teach you. And a lot of times maybe he didn't take, he was not a perfect dad and none of them are. But he, and sometimes maybe he didn't take the time to teach me what he was trying to teach me. But I got the lesson. What was the lesson? Don't disobey him was the main lesson. Don't doubt him. Don't, don't question him. We've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more rather be in subjection unto the Father in spirit, Father of spirits, and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. Sometimes they may did it just because they was upset. Sometimes they may did it just because I got on their nerves. But they corrected us according to our pleasure. But why does God correct us? I want you to see this. But He for our profit, that we might be partakers of His holiness. That's why. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, no one loves pain. But it's grievous, but nevertheless, when this comes, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down in the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be devoured. Oh, when a root of bitterness springs up, and many are defiled, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Who was the birthright? That's Christ. That's what he sold. It's not just his physical birthright being the firstborn. He sold it. He made light of it. It's not worth much. Let me just see what I can get out of it. For you know how that Esau, afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. You know what I see there? God shook Esau and it was too late. He comes in and, you know, he thinks he's going to go out and get the venison and bring it in and his father Isaac's going to bless him. And he's done bless Jacob. And here it says, he sought repentance carefully with tears. Maybe God will be impressed with my tears. Oh, no. He was rejected. God shook his house. And it didn't stand. Jacob, have I loved. And Esau, have I hated. You know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing. He was rejected for he found no place of repentance. He saw it carefully with tears. For you've what says you've not come into the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempest. He's talking about Mount Sinai. Go look at that mountain. Stand there when God speaks. The people were terrified. They said, Moses, don't don't. We don't want God to speak to us. You, you you speak to God for us and God speak to you. So they were terrified. <clears throat> God, apart from grace, he's a consuming fire. And he's, let me tell you this, he's terrifying. He's God. He's not trying to be God. He's God. He's God. You've not come unto the mount that might be touched and it burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. We've done mention twice that our Lord endured. He said, You endure chastening. And here he says, Let me see, they heard, and the sound of the trumpet and the voice of the words, which voice that they had heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure That which was commanded. They couldn't endure it. And you can't either. We can't either. Without a mediator, we can't endure it. I heard Brother Bruce say one time, he said, I lived a long time and all I ever seen was the bad side of God. God's God's justice and God's wrath. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. You couldn't endure it. They couldn't endure it. And if so much is a beast... Touch the mountain, it shall be stoned, or thirst through with the dart. And so terrible was the sight. That Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But, you want to see a little mercy? I will hear from Sinai's judgment. Fire and God's wrath. But you are come unto Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No one ever spake like this man. He spake grace and he he spake mercy. Why? Because he satisfied all the demands of the law. He had taken away the first that he may establish the second. That first was shaken and it was removed. And the second is established on better promises. That's what it says in Hebrews, on better promises than these. Because it all rests on Christ who speaks the word of God. The blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Abel's blood, the first man that died, it was of grace and works. His blood cried from the ground. What did it cry for? Judgment. His blood speaks better things. His, his, you know what his blood speaks? It speaks. It says forgiveness. Thou art forgiven. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How do you know that? That's what the blood says. It speaks. It speaks. He speaks. And now our text. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, they didn't, they didn't escape. They refused not, see that you don't refuse him that speaketh, they did, they refused to hear him, they refused to bow. For if they escape not who refused him that speaketh on earth, much more shall not we escape. If we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, if you turn away from him, now listen to me. There remains no more sacrifice for sin. No more sacrifice for sin. Whose voice then shook the earth. Come about when he spoke there on Mount Sinai. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet more, once more signifying the removal of those things that are shaken, as of the things which are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. When God speaks, he causes a shaking. He said, once more I shake not the earth, but also the heavens. Now he's making reference, the apostle here is, to back in the book of Haggai. If you would go and be turning there, it's, You'll find Matthew, Malachi, I think Zechariah, and then you'll find Haggai. Haggai was probably raised in Babylon. He, may, he could have been a child when they were taken into Babylon, and he may have saw the first temple, Solomon's temple, that was destroyed. And why was temple, Solomon's majestic temple, why was it destroyed? They would not obey God. They would not obey the commandments of God. They were always going after their idols. And God shook that place and when he was done with it, there was not anything left. Now how did he shake it? He brought the Babylonians in and they tore it all to pieces. Can you imagine being a Jew and it's all torn down and there's nothing left? God shook it. He shook it to its core. He spoke how? He spoke through Haggai. He he spoke through Jeremiah. He spoke through Isaiah. This man was raised in Babylon, so he's probably an old man when he comes back to Jerusalem, and they come back to rebuild the temple. So there in Haggai chapter 1 verse 2, Haggai is going to encourage the people to build the temple. Why? They're indifferent. Cyrus sent them back with the command, Cyrus, a picture of Christ. Cyrus even sent his money and he said, you go back. The word was, go back and build the temple. What did they do? Oh no, we're going to build our house. Here in Haggai 1 verse 2, then... Speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lay in waste? Now therefore, thus saith the God of hosts. You know what God said? You know what God said to them through Haggai? Consider your ways. Consider. You know, that's a sobering statement, in it? You consider, and every one of us must consider, our ways. You have so much and you bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but are not filled with drink. You clothe, but there is none warmed. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I'll take pleasure in it. And I'll be also glorified, saith the Lord. You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow on it. Why? saith the Lord of hosts. Because of mine house is laid waste. And you run every man. Into his own house. You know what he's actually just saying is, he's just saying there's something more important to you than the worship of God. He said, Could that describe us? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, that's what he's saying. But what is amazing, he didn't leave them there. How long would they have kept going this way if God hadn't sent them, Haggai? God God speaks. And God spoke through this man. This man, if he had been lived in Babylon, you imagine what this man could tell. Imagine all the things he saw living around idolatry, Babylon for seventy long years. But they had a promise that in seventy years, when it's over, we're going back home. He's resting on God's word. Now, chapter 2, verse 1. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to the Zerubbabel, the Shanneshiotel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this first house in its first glory? He said, How many of you saw Solomon's first temple? It had been say, They would have probably had to be maybe eighty or nine years old. He said, Are any of you left that saw that first temple? I said, mmm. Boy, that's nothing to compare to it. That's what he's saying. And how do you see this temple? How does this temple look in comparison to Solomon's temple? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? They're looking with the outward. See how we judge things. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, verse 4, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, O ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I will be with you, saith the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you come out of Egypt, So my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. Now here it is. This is what Paul quoted there in the book of Hebrews. They didn't have the New Testament scriptures like you do. You know what Paul had? He had the Old Testament scriptures. And that's what he preached from. And that's what he spoke to them from. He said... For the verse 6, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it, it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens, and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land. He says, I'm going to shake it all. And I will shake all nations. And now, what's this? And the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, and the Lord of hosts, saith the Lord of hosts, thy silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts, the glory, and here it is. What's he making reference to? The glory of the latter house will be greater than that of the former house. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace saith the Lord of hosts. He's speaking of the time when the Son of God would be made flesh. You imagine, I know he was taken there when he was eight days old. He said, and Simeon said, mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And then when he comes riding into Jerusalem, the week before he'll be crucified. After they cried Hosanna, you know the first place he goes? He goes to the temple. You know who that is in the temple? That's the glory of God. And he's going to, she's getting ready to shake that whole world. First thing he did, you imagine them they're in there changing, their, they're selling their sacrifices and all these things. And he took a whip. And he said, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. He said, you get out of here. I guarantee you, he shut them up. There was a little bit of disturbance. And that's why he's saying, once more, I'm just not going to shake the earth. I'm going to shake all nations. And he did. He did. That's what he came to do. He came as the word of God. He came to fulfill God's word. And then... When he fulfilled what he came to do. You want to see his glory, the glory of that house, when he sheds his blood to make an atonement for sin, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now you listen to this, and you think about this. They've taken the Son of God out we said, we won't have this man to reign over us. We're not going to believe him. We're not going to bow to his word. We want to kill him. So they have him crucified, and they take him outside the city walls, and they nail him to a cross. And he hangs there, and there for three hours of darkness, and he's cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And Jesus, when he had cried with a loud voice, Yielded up the ghost. If we could have just seen in the spirit world when he cried, It is finished. It shook heaven, earth, and hell. I could see him trembling. He that had the power of death is now destroyed. We don't have to fear death anymore. He conquered it. Here's what it said in Jesus when he cried with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil in that temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, not the bottom to the top, from the top to the bottom to show that God did it, and the earth did quake, and the rocks did rent, And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. You know what he did? He just shook the whole world. He shook it to its core. He shook it. He shook it. You know what he did when he opened up that veil? He done away with all that. I heard Don say one time because you know they didn't have any Ark of the Covenant. We don't know when it was gone. But they're pretending to go through worship and they don't have no ark, they have no Christ, they have no mercy seat. He could have been sitting back there. Nobody knew because nobody goes behind the veil. They just knew what was told them. And you could see when God split that veil, he said he's probably sitting back there playing tiddlywinks. <laughs> you know what he did? He shook that place. Can you imagine? Now this is not just some... He said it me and Sandy was reading coming up the road, it's a hand's breadth thick, just that thick. It's so you probably couldn't have ran it with horses, with teams of horses, but God did. And when He did, you talking about shaking that place up? He shook it. It'd never been shook like this before. He shook it. He shook it. When He came to the world, the first time He shook it. This could happen. Some would just say, well, this has reference to his second coming. But listen, all through the book of Revelation, that's a picture of what happens from the time Christ came to the time he comes back. And all those things are being fulfilled. You know what he's doing right now? You know what he's doing right now? He's shaking the world. Why do things happen? Why They're, they're not Accidents. They're happening on purpose. And God speaks to men. Now whether they listen or not, that's up to God. By nature, if he leaves them on, they're not going to hear. Why does all this just keep coming? Why does all this, why, why? God says, I'm God. I'm God. It said here he's going to gather all the nations unto himself. It said to him shall all the gathering of the people be. Now listen to me. Our Lord came. He gave his life. He made an atonement. He finished his work and he went back to glory. Now he's not done. Up till now he said told the disciples don't you go anywhere but to the house of Israel. And he said when you go preach the gospel you're going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And then to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now they're going to go to all nations. God's going to shake all these nations. He's going to, he's going to shake those in Asia. He's going to sh- shake those in Europe. He's going to shake those in Rome. He's going, you know what? He's going to shake them. How's he going to shake them? With the gospel. Here on the day of Pentecost, I think it. I think God could be wrong, but I think it was fourteen different nations. It says that are included there. They were gathered from all over the world. Why were they gathered? There? to celebrate the Feast of Passover and I think the Feast of fruits, first fruits. That's why they thought they were gathered there. But an old fisherman stands up and preaches and God saves 3,000 souls. And you know what he did? He just shook their world. They were pricked in the heart. That's where the shaking must come. And they cried out and said, What must we do to be saved? And God said, 3,000. And you know, on over in chapter 4, we've been trying to study the book of Acts some on Wednesday night. You know, after Peter and John went into the temple and, and he healed the lame man, it says he had been laying there for 40 years. Everybody saw him, everybody knew him that went into the temple. And Peter said, "The man asked the name." And Peter said, "Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee." In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that man was whole. But you know what that did? By God saving that man, it shook that world. He shook those people in the temple. They go in and, and it says immediately, he didn't stagger around. He jumps up and they go, Who, that's that man, but it can't be that man. What God did for that man, he shook up their world and they go, we're going to put a stop to this, we're going to threaten them. Don't you preach anymore in Jesus' name. It's bothering them. And you know what it says they did? They prayed. Acts 4.31 and when they prayed we thank prayed, Lord thank you for saving it man thank you for giving us the grace to trust you and when they prayed the place was shaken and they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness you can think about this. There's only between Passover and Pentecost 50 days. Less than two months. Less than two months ago, Peter's standing denying that he even knows our Lord. And he denied him three times. And why is this man speaking now with boldness? I'll tell you exactly why. He was called of God. He was sent of God. And he was filled with the Spirit of God. And they said they took knowledge of them and they'd been with Jesus. But he shook it up. He's not done. Paul one day, he wanted to go into Asia. Lord said, Paul, you're not going to Asia right now. And Paul in a vision, God spoke in visions and those things then because they didn't have the scriptures like we do. And he saw in a vision a man over in Macedonia saying, "Why why don't you come over and help us? We need some help. And Paul goes over there and What's he going to find? Who's this guy that called for help? God didn't tell him the the exact person. And he goes and and he's going out of the city. And it's on the Sabbath day. And he said, is there anybody around here worships God? Is anybody around here know God? He said, well, somebody said, well, there's a few women. They meet up here by the riverside that we're in know.'" And he goes up there. And he sits down. You know who just happened to be there? A woman named Lydia. A seller of purple from Thyatira. You know, where, you know where Thyatira's at? Asia. The Lord told him not to go to Asia because God's going to bring Asia to him. This woman seller of purple, she's just there on a business trip. She's not there looking for the gospel. And God the, God's preaches the gospel to her and opened up her heart and gave her faith. And he shook that world. Now he's not done in Philippi. He saved her, and her whole family were baptized. Well, these people get mad? You know why? Because God's just shook that place. We've never heard anything like this before. This somebody named, named Jesus that's raised from the dead. We're going to beat him, him and Silas. Silas, we're going to throw him in prison. That's what we're going to do to him. We're going to shut up this gospel. And they take them in there and that jailer, he beats them and chains them. do you see this? And it said at midnight, Paul and Silas begin to pray. And God shook that place. Let me find my text. Acts chapter 16 if you want to turn there. This is what we have a picture of how God saves sinners. He shakes those things and those things that won't remain are done away with but those things that do abide can't be shaken. You know why they would beat Paul and Silas they were trying to shake them? You want me like to do that? Like to, do, like to use fear, you know. You, you need to do what we say or we're going we're to we're threaten you. We're going to come get you. Paul said one day, none, one, none of these things move me. Neither can I my life dear unto myself. But the Lord allowed Paul to be put into prison, him and Silas, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, and they sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. I wonder what they sing. Probably one of the Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down and greet pastors. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Everybody set free. How? God shook that place. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, and he drew his sword, because he's he's responsible for these prisoners. If one prisoner escapes, they'll kill him. And he knows it. But what I want you to see is, the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep, and seeing the prison door open, he drew his sword, and would have killed himself. Men think by killing themselves, they will save themselves. He said, I'll kill myself and I won't have to deal with this. Supposing that the prisoners had fled, but Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, we're all here. And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down at Paul and Silas and brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? God, why does God shake things? He does it for this right here. Why was the house shaken? Why is this place shaken? Why is God shaking the world today to save His people? And He's going to save them. You know, Job knew something about this. Here's what Job said. Job said, "I was at ease." But he hath broken me asunder, he hath also taken me by the neck and shaken me into pieces, and, set, and he hath set me for his mark. Our Lord is now shaking the nations of the world, and they will all fall. Micah one, but in the last days it shall come to pass, the mountains and the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the people, above the hills and the people shall flow into it and every nation shall come and say come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths for the law shall go forth out of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem Though so it's a picture of him when he came the first time. It's a picture of him working now. But as someone mentioned. One day he's coming back. And you talk about shaking things up. It says that men will run to the rocks. And cry for the mountains to follow them. And hide them from the face of the son of God. He's coming back not riding up on a lowly donkey. He's coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. He will come to gather all His elect. The world and all the kingdoms will bow before Him. And let me read Hebrews 12, 27 through 29 again. And this word yet once more signifying the removal of those things that are shaken. As of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. You may be shaken. Some tragedy, some some event may come and it'll shake you. But you will remain. It's not because you're strong, it's because you're his. He keeps you. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. God give us grace. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Not some slavish fear, godly fear. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. God give us all the grace to proclaim His word. And I pray that God would cross some people's path just like he did Paul on the road to Damascus. He shook his world. In what one place in the book it says, the book of Acts, it says they turned the world upside down. What they really did was turn it right side up. That's how God speaks. Oh, when God speaks. I pray he speaks encouragement to your heart if whatever you're going through, if you're his, you shall not be moved. I hope that's been a help.